Hello, 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 it's Talking Bollocks with me, your host, Howard H. Smith. Well, well, well. Ten years, eh? Quite the thing. I'm as surprised as you are, if I'm honest. I really am. But anyway, let, uh, uh, more of that later. First up, I'm not doing all that shit. You know who I am. Been here ten years, all the rest of it. Thanks for coming back. If it's your first time, you're ten years fucking late. Where have you been? Down the shops? Rescuing drowning dogs? What have you been fucking doing? Anywho, uh, I did have somebody via uh, social media, uh, the Acid Rain um, social media accounts, say that they just discovered my, my podcast. I was like, awesome, brilliant. Thanks. Just 10 years to... I am talking about you, mate. I mean, it's great that you found it, but fuck knows how you did... <laughs> I mean, loads of posts over the years about it. 10 years. Maybe maybe they just discovered podcasts. Maybe that was it. But anywho, more on this later in the upcoming interview with special guest on the show, me. <laughs> anywho, uh, just because it's 10 years doesn't mean that I am going to in any way not deliver. So, you've guessed it. Let's crack on with the news. There is actual some actual news as well. I mean, this isn't actual news, but Geddy Lee says he and Alex Lifeson have talked about recruiting a drummer and touring again. Now, I get that, you know, they played those songs with um, uh, Dave Navarro and, you know, it's with different drummers and yeah, blah, blah, blah. Don't do it, lads. I mean, R30, Rush 30, the anniversary, was brilliant. R40, yeah, not not so great. The playing was not quite there. Geddy's vocals were not quite there. In fact, the only person who was still on point was the man who's no longer with us, Neil Pert. So, personally, just a little bit of a personal um, interest in this one. Big Rush fan, don't do it. Um, next up. I mean, we knew this was coming. I refuse to say it's clever. Kiss announces new era, plans to continue his avatars. Um, I mean, Gene Simmons, who's uh, always looked like a badly drawn toy gorilla to me, is now a very well-drawn digital toy gorilla. Um, and just fuck off, Kiss, basically. I haven't got anything brilliant to say. I haven't got anything to shine a light here. Paul Stanley says, people say, well, what are you going to do when you stop? Well, the band will never stop because we don't own the band. The fans own the band. The world owns the band. Fucking stop. Humble brag. Just shut up. I mean, we've spent 50 years building it to this point, uh, and by working with ILM and working with Pop House, we're all sharing this vision of taking Kiss to a completely different level beyond being just a music band. We've also thought of ourselves as more than just a music band. Yes, that's right, I called it a music band, and then a music band again. Isn't that weird? What we've accomplished has been amazing, but it's not enough. The band deserves to live on because the band is bigger than we are. It's exciting for us to go to the next step and kiss, see Kiss immortalized. We can be forever young and forever iconic by, by taking us to places we've never dreamed of before. The technology is going to make Paul jump higher than he's ever done before. Sorry, that was Gene there. Uh, oh yeah, it's just that last bit. I mean, I thought it suddenly got... I'm I, I just reading this for the first time. I thought it suddenly gone a bit massive fucking ego. And to be fair, Stanley uses the phrase, 
um, the next step is see Kiss immortalised. I mean, just calm the fuck down with your ego. But of course, Simmons kicks in. We can be forever young and forever iconic by taking us to places we've never dreamed of before. It's just like, oh, just fuck off. Seriously. These, I mean, how does anybody share a house with these massive fucking egos? It's it's unbelievable. Anyway, no more publicity for Kiss. Fuck Kiss. Fucking lame-ass, piss-weak radio rock as avatars. Fuck off. On the same lines as Kiss, in other words, bands that look really fucking, really fucking cool um, and almost demonic and are actually shit and piss weak. Um, yeah, there was a feature on Revolver and it was called 25 Greatest Ghost Songs. I, I mean, have they got two good songs? I'm sorry, I was completely unaware of them. I must never have heard them. Not a fan. Tobias Forge, very clever marketing man. But, you know, that's it. Fuck off. And, um, well... Joey Belladonna is asked, is he still carrying resentment towards his bandmates over being fired twice? His response, I don't forget. You know what, Joey? Maybe you should. Water under the bridge and all that. If, you're still, if you've still got some kind of um, gripe about it, the only person that's affecting is you. The only person, if you are carrying um, seething resentment around, well, that only affects you. I mean, the other members, they've properly moved on. You're back in the band. Cool. I mean, presumably they've seen this this interview yet again and just gone, oh, Joey, never mind. I mean, it's not affecting their lives. You sitting around going, mm, I don't forget. Great. What, what, what's that achieving? What, what's that doing? Other than keeping you bitter, what is that doing? Fuck all. Let it go. A message to Joey. Joey, let it go, man. Let it go. You've been back a while now. 13 years. You know? Maybe that's... I don't know. I don't know. Weird one, isn't it? It is a weird one. Um, now... I'd like to think that uh, a hallmark of these podcasts over the years and why you still keep listening is that my mind can be changed about people, but also I can have an opinion on a person and really, you know, not like them, not rate them, whatever. But if they say something cool or they do something cool, I'm going to hold my hands up and say, that is cool. And this week, it's Sharon Osbourne's turn. She gave a speech when Ozzy was awarded the Rock and Roll... Uh, roared? Awarded. He should have been roared, shouldn't he? Rolling Stone roared Ozzy Osbourne an award. Um, uh, he was honoured uh, with an Icon award, award. Fucking hell, I'm all over the place. He was awarded the Icon Award at the first ever Rolling Stones UK Awards on November the 23rd at wherever who gives a fuck. And it was accepted by Sharon. Now, she said... You know, he can't be here, all the rest of it, yada, yada, yada. And this was really cool. She just said the worst thing for Ozzy is to put him in a studio because he's confined and he hates it. But he always manages to come out 
uh, with a winner. He's been making music for 55 years and he's never had a dud album. Some will argue with that. I'm, I, I, to be honest, I'm not sure because I haven't listened to his entire catalogue. Um, he sold 150 million albums in those 55 years. I mean, you know, that, that's, a, that's nearly three million albums a year, for, you know, a, a, a year, for a year of his career. So, you know, the man's doing something right. But this bit I love. And I am just so proud of him as a man and as a musician. It's been my honour to be on his coattails. And I thought that was just really, really touching. That is Sharon Osbourne, you know, the self-styled queen of bitching. And, you know, she's become a uh, a celebrity and, uh, you know, a voice of the music business and the voice of women in general, if you watch shit TV shows. And I just think that it's that that really is humility and honesty. And I love both of those. I'm just so proud of him as a man. And as a musician, it's been my honour to be on his coattails. I mean, she's basically saying, I owe him everything. And I think that is incredibly, incredibly cool. Sharon Osbourne, you're a top woman. That was a beautiful, beautiful message. Not that she would give a shit what I think, but I just think that is class. I think that's absolute class and having moaned about the classless episode with Giza Butler re re um, recently I just think that is absolutely superb I really do and then um, uh, Iron Maiden's Bruce Dickinson on Power Trip Festival people who were at the front were rich people that wanted to film everything on their phone I love the fact they've played this huge festival been paid a shitload of money and Bruce has clearly gone I ain't fucking playing there again and just come out and slagged it and gone yeah fuck off quality absolute quality I really like that Power Trip was a slightly strange experience for us we did a good show and actually at Power Trip we did a maiden show we didn't do the oh because this is Power Trip we have to suddenly do the greatest hits no we did the maiden show with all the stuff we're doing on the Somewhere Back in Time tour and the death of the Celts etc everything else like that and it was a little bit strange because people um, had been standing out in the heat all day there was no support band completely cold go on stage well cold as in no warm up but no I think we sounded pretty good, but it was an unusual situation. Um, I think what was a little strange for us was the people who should have been down the front of the stage because the tickets for the festival were so expensive, they were at the back. And the people who were at the front were just like these rich people who wanted to film everything on their phones. But the kids who wanted to, uh, who want, who wanted to play, uh, we wanted to play to, were at the back. And that sucks, actually. It wasn't our festival. It wasn't our organisation. We're, uh, we're going into America next year and we're doing our own tour. And the people who are down the front are going to be the people who deserve to be down the front. They're going to be the real fans, which is going to be great. Asked if he mentioned uh, Brazilian audiences and other South American fans from the stage at Power Trip. Dickinson said, yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah, we go, we take a look at some real rock and roll fans, not a bunch of posers who want to go down the front and say, I paid $3,000 for my ticket. Look at me. Fuck off. <laughs> Brilliant. Brilliant. Love it. Um, on to, these guys are going to get mentioned in the, uh, in the upcoming interview with me. <laughs> Sepultura have sadly just announced a European farewell tour. The band shared a statement saying that they have reached the end of the road and has chosen to depart via a conscious and planned death. Throughout the next 18 months, we will celebrate 40 years of existence together along with our loyal fans on a farewell tour across the globe. It will be a celebration of the past and the present for one final time. 
After four decades filled with ups and downs, having visited 80 countries and countless different cultures, we've had the chance to become Brazil's messenger to the world and spread our colours and rhythms worldwide. With our latest studio album, Quadra, a highlight of our career, absolutely, in my albums of the year for 2020, fucking fantastic. We added an unforgettable chapter, followed by the Sepul Quatre, of which I was a part, hear more later, experience that help us to overcome the difficult times of the pandemic together. We will unite our forces for one final strong farewell uh, and all of you can be part of it. I mean, I, I reading between the lines, I think um, Andreas losing his wife has obviously completely changed how he looks at life and, and maybe what his role is in his family. It's not for me to speculate, despite the fact that is exactly what I've just done. So I'm a fucking hypocrite. But yes, very sad to hear that. Really sad. Andreas is one of my favourite interviews that I've had in the last 10 years and um, a top man. And when I reached out to him and said, how about all these interviews that I've done with you, Derek and Jens, who produce Quadra? Why don't we hook up and, you know, launch those on Sepul Quadra? Um, Andreas got straight back to me and went, dude, that's a great idea. Um, I'm going to put you in touch with the people who run the back end of Sepul Quadra and let's do it. And um, yeah, the man was a gent, great to work, great, great to work with, great to interview. And um, whatever you think about Sepultura and that version of Sepultura, they have without doubt carved out a niche of their own and they will be missed. They really will. So what else is there to say? Well, in the previous episode that you might have listened to, we had um, Fermenter on and Dylan of Fermenter casually mentioned rather cryptically you might be seeing me sooner than you think well that came about didn't it yes atheist to touring the uk and europe next march so go fucking google that and go and get a ticket and support kelly and dylan and the rest of the guys it's going to be fucking awesome and hopefully we'll have a new atheist album that they're touring wouldn't that be so fucking cool right here we go um my good friend, old head, Stephen Ivey, you know him from Old Bollocks. Well, um, I couldn't think of anybody more um, apt to, um, to interview me about the last 10 years of Talking Bollocks. As you'll hear, I didn't really want to do some sort of, you know, compilation episode of bits of my favourite interviews because it, that's kind of a bit self-indulgent, I feel, <laughs> like being interviewed on my own podcast isn't self-indulgent. There's no way I'm pulling that off, is there? Absolutely none. It's also a lot less work. <laughs> but basically, I just thought, you know, having a chat about the last 10 years, well, that's what that's what Talking Bollocks is all about. It's all about having a long-form conversation, a long-form conversation, uh, and, and getting to the, you know, the nuts and bolts. So why not have a long-form conversation about the last 10 years? So, uh, if you nip over to the YouTube channel, you can watch this interview if you wish. If not, then you can listen to Old Head interviewing this episode's special guest about the last 10 years. That's right. He's interviewing me. Yeah, this is it. 10 years. I cannot, I cannot believe it. I really can't. In fact, I'm going to preface this with the fact that I went to see Censor a few weeks ago. And um, when I was interviewing Hayton, he said, um, our first album is 10 years old next year. And I was thinking, 
well, hang on. When I interviewed him, they were just bringing out an anniversary edition of Stacked Up, the 20th anniversary. I thought that was their first album. And this is this is all going through my head at the time, thinking, I thought that was their first album, but there must be one before it. And then when I, and then when I, I watched the gig, it was great. And on my way home, I was looking for the Sensor episode. And it's nine years ago. Yeah. I'm just like, what? I interviewed Sensor and Revocation mm. at the forum. I interviewed them in the same night. And I remember it like it was yesterday. And... The fact this podcast is 10 years old, yeah, it absolutely does my head in. Um, and it's led to many a cool thing, such as um, having a, a friend all the way over there in Texas. Hi. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, don't come visit here. It's not very nice. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll, we'll go to other parts of the country that are better. Anyway, um, so yeah, I, I, this, is, this is cool because uh, where I'm starting with this is actually something that I've always kind of not known and wanted to know about your life in a certain period of time. Um, because according to this, like the first episode was January 11th. That's what it says of, of 2014. Prior to that, you had been doing stand-up comedy. Though I, I was always curious what actually led to starting the podcast because during that time period, were you still dipping your toe musically in things or were you focusing on comedy and something led you to the idea of a music related podcast or like what do you remember what specifically sort of led you in that direction uh that's that is a really good question because i the answer is honestly i don't know um <laughs> i was doing you're right i was doing stand-up um i I had no, I mean, when this podcast came out, I was probably still thinking, you know, when, when this first came out, I was probably still thinking that um, there may be a possibility that acid rain may reform, but that was, that was certainly not, you know, the, the reboot was nowhere, nowhere in my mind. Um, and honestly, when I when I first, you know, when that, that the first interview is with you know, Zentrix and 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 Reanimator, yeah, yeah, and at that stage it was you know there was talk of us potentially reforming, um, but basically Ramsey had just dropped the bomb before Christmas that he he was no longer interested in doing it, okay. and 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 so when this podcast started, the whole thing was completely up in the air. Um, and I think I had, I honestly, now I think about it. I think I started the podcast because I've been listening to podcasts for years. Yeah. So I, I knew what I liked about other podcasts and what I liked about podcasts in general. And that is the feeling of, um, especially with the interviews and things like that is, is, is listening to something where you feel like you're listening into a conversation that you, 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 well, you feels like you're eavesdropping basically. Yeah. And that, you know, the long form nature of the, uh, of it really appealed to me because the first episodes, if you go back in 
you know, the first quite a lot of the first episodes are like, you know, two and three hours. I mean, you know, there's a lot there. And funnily enough, you know, people used to say, oh, fucking hell, well, why did it? When am I going to have three hours spare? Like, dude, it's a podcast. It's not a movie. Yeah. Just listen to fucking 20 minutes when you can and just, you know, just progress through it like that. Um, And eventually it split it into the way it is now, which is two a month. But I think it was basically I wanted to do a podcast. And the only thing I was passionate enough about was music. I didn't want to do it, despite the fact I was, you know, deep into my stand-up career. Um, I, I I wasn't passionate enough to do. Well, it, I don't know. It was it was more like I'm doing comedy and I'm right in it. So I don't want to do more comedy. Yeah. And and it was and it was something a way of doing a podcast about something that I'm absolutely obsessive and passionate about, yeah. which is music. And I am about comedy, but I was doing comedy and I wasn't doing music. So I think it was a way of kind of sort of staying in touch with it. Yeah. And, and plus, you know, when you think back, when I think back to like the first podcasts I ever started listening to back in the early 2000s, they were all <clears throat> essentially comedy. So you had, you know, like Ricky Gervais, Kevin Smith, people like that. They were so for a while there, it was it seemed like a rarity to find a music related podcast. Now they're they're everywhere, but um, so that may, that makes sense too. So, but the so I'm assuming that you're starting off with Reanimator and Zentrix. It's an easy in because you you know those guys, your friends. And it was at a gig that I was going to. Yeah, and, I mean, I, and I was I was doing a guest spot with Reanimator. Uh, so it made sense to bring my laptop with me and record a podcast. Um, actually, do you know what? I've absolutely, totally forgotten exactly why the podcast started. Oh, shit. Okay. Um, I was driving back from up north and I'd um, I kind of become friends with Craig Hogan of All About The Rock, who get tons of mentions in, in in about the first five years of the podcast because mm-hmm. they hosted it and it was on the all about the rock website and it was all, you know, and it was, and basically I was chatting to Craig one time and I, I think, and I literally, I was, I was driving back to London. And I was chatting to him because I did, I wrote the odd article for him and stuff and we would become friends and, um, and we still are today, by the way. And, um, I I think I remember saying to him, have you ever thought of doing a podcast, having a podcast up on um, All About The Rock? And he said, um, he said, well, yeah, but I hate the sound of my own voice. So, you know, that pretty much puts the end on it. And I said, well, I'd do it. I could do it. And he snapped my hand off and went, Really? That'd be fucking brilliant if you did. And I was like, yeah, cool. Okay. Um, and Talking Bollocks was born, which was initially the, you know, the logo is, uh, you know, an all about the rock podcast. So I've absolutely completely forgotten all of that. And it's just come back to me now. Um, so, uh, you know, uh, I'm sorry, Craig. It's now 10 years <laughs> later time to admit that I completely manipulated you. I wanted to do a podcast suggested that you should do one um, 
pretty much thinking that you'd have done one by now if you wanted one. You said you didn't want to do one, so I suggested I would. Um, and there you go. So that was that was genuinely it. So my apologies. That totally, I've, I've got, I've gone back and answered answer question one again. That's all right. That's all right. So it it, 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 it kind of leads me where I'm going though, because it's it's like when when that idea was was planted, because obviously now you're hooked up, you know, with with PR, you know, companies that you know send you stuff and send you ideas and, and albums or whatever. But in the beginning, did you have an idea of like, well? I know these people, this is where I'm going to go first. Or did you have any kind of plan of how you were going to start getting people to get on the podcast or, or, or did Craig have a hand in that? Uh, well, um, Craig had a hand in it because of the all about the rock website, but uh -huh. also, um, you know, Nige rocket appears early on, you know, there's, 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 there's a few UK, um, thrash celebrities that that I knew I could reach out to, but also um, my good friend, Chris Davies, um, who um, runs the, the kind of a, a lot of the, the back office for overkill um, was, I, I knew he'd, I knew he'd help me out where he could. And what yeah, again, you, had, you had Bobby on really early. Yes. Yeah. Bobby yeah. and Nige, I think. They were, uh, um, and, and, um, yeah, Bobby is probably the person who's it may have been on the podcast the most over the years, mm -hmm. um, and um, yeah, I mean he's I mean he's such a cool guy and and it's been great fun to chat to and and been so supportive as well over the years. Um, so early doors, I was able to get some significant names, and funnily enough, I was flicking through the podcasts the other day, yeah, and really really early doors, and I think when I kind of felt myself really hitting my straps and i think for me the the very first interview that kind of changed everything was chad gray who was in mudvane at the time sorry at mudvane at the time was in hell yeah at the time vinnie paul by the way was sat was sat about eight feet away across the other side of the hotel lobby mm -hmm. during the whole interview um and um it was the first time that I had an interview with somebody that was proper long form. Yeah. And um, that, that I was able to engage with on a level other than music and somebody that was, was just happy to talk about anything. And I'd been told under no circumstances to bring up Mudvayne. And um, the guitarist from Mudvayne was initially in Hell Yeah. Mm -hmm. And at the time of the interview, he had only recently left within weeks. So it was hard and fast laid down to not talk about him. And, yeah. um, and we, I, I mean, I think we spoke for about an hour and about 45 minutes in, I... It, it it was like it was it was it conversationally came to a point where I I couldn't I it just felt natural to just say you know and of course you know you've just you just had to um, split with somebody you've been working with nearly all your musical life and I remember Chad Gray clear as day just going yeah man yeah I don't want to talk about it I was like that's cool. And then he proceeded to spend 10 minutes talking about it. 
um and and i had to be and at this point i'm thinking i have to be really sensitive here because yeah. I, i've been told that this is a place not to go to and we've ended up here and it's it, you know i haven't manipulated the conversation it was just two guys talking and it came yeah. up um and um and 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 then we we carried on talking you know and and you know i i didn't i didn't try i didn't um um i didn't um uh try in any way into um what had happened or anything like that i just let him talk and um and as soon as he'd finished talking um i i mean i i might have asked a little bit more but i just didn't want to pry too much because he clearly said he didn't want to talk about it it was clearly genuinely upsetting for him and so i was just i was just sensitive to it and then the conversation drifted off to to something else and um and there and and we finished we finished the conversation finished recording and then we ended up talking about Bill Burr and stand up comedy and all, and he was like oh yeah I saw him recently I was like oh, fucking hell, really I was, I, and it, it was awesome it was really really cool um and um and funnily enough many many years later when I did the motorcast interview with um Jason Newstead offline we ended up talking about Bill Burr and Jason talking about how he was you know he's actually kind of friends with him and and it was really cool. We, we yeah. had, but anyway, the other thing about the about the the Chad Gray episode was the interview was supposed to be half an hour. And um PR came over and started giving it the wind up signal like this. And it's in the interview that Chad just goes uh go away I'm really enjoying this. So I mean and and, and just like that and the fact that he talked about the Mudvayne thing. Yeah. And then we talked about comedy. And then I left. And I just, and I just remember walking away. I was like, wow, this is, this is a buzz. This is a buzz from just doing an interview. Now, normally I'm the one being interviewed, at, you know, yeah. back then. And I got a buzz from interviewing somebody and from that whole experience and it and it left a mark on me where I I think that was the first time where I realised that I, maybe I could I could do this interviewing thing because I know I can talk but can I listen? And that that really I think that really kind of encouraged me to go, yeah, maybe you know this is this is the route to go down. It's you know to try and get as uh, people just have that conversation um the first chat with bobby is is um it's kind of question answer but we yeah we just have a chat it's two guys but but this was different this was like yeah it was it was a connection and they're still my favorite interviews to do to this very day um are the ones where people say things you're not expecting you end up talking about stuff that it's got nothing to do with music or bands or anything you know just where you make a connection with somebody um and um that was that was one that was really early doors that I just thought, yeah, that's really cool. And I got a real buzz from it. 
Yeah, no, I, 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 I absolutely. I, I, and that I've never, I'm, I'm still waiting to get to that point and doing my interviews where I finally get that thing where somebody says, don't talk about this. I'm just like, oh, that's, <laughs> that's, I think that's when, you know, you finally hit on something good. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, the weird thing is don't wait to, you know, don't expect for it to come along because I, I don't really think I've had anybody do that since. To, yeah. to, I brought something up and said, yeah, I don't want to talk about that and then talk about it. So that, that actually leads me to, to like a, it's, it's kind of a general question or, or a number of things, whatever you think of. But um, so there's that thing of like, okay, maybe somebody doesn't want you to talk about something, but then there's the other side of the coin where I know you've had at least one interview I can think of that you've talked about where the person you interviewed only wanted to talk about one thing and wouldn't really budge from that. Cause I remember you talking about Dave Ellefson yeah. um, talking about his book and yes. that's kind of all he wanted to talk about. All roads kept leaving, kept leading <laughs> back to the book. Um, and, but th there is somebody who was on a major label in, you know, in the late eighties and early nineties who yeah. will have had, who will have had media training by, you know, by that major label and be basically learn how to keep, you know, if you've got, you know, you know, you've got an interviewer who's wanted to talk to you about, you know, your rock and roll past or, you know, your your crazy touring stories. And it, you just maneuver the conversation back to the new album, the new album, because you're basically trained like a politician is trained to stay on what you want to say, not what the interviewer is trying to get. Um and and it becomes a little bit of a battle then. And and I I realized quite early on that that is what it was going to be. So I just played the game because it's like, yeah, you know what? I'm not, I'm not going to get anywhere here. So why make it uncomfortable? Why make yeah. it patently or patently obvious that no matter what I ask, we're going to keep ending up at the book. So, and Hey, you know, if you want to come on here and sell your book, then that's absolutely fine. You know, I've got somebody who was once in Megadeth because he wasn't in Megadeth at the time. And he's not in a Megadeth now. Um, but, you know, I've got somebody from the big four on. So, yeah. fuck it. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I wonder if when he does interviews now, now it's like, if you're talking to Dave Elfson, don't ask about what happened on the internet. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. I, I, I think you're going to get put, shut down pretty pretty quickly and pretty hard. Yeah. But so so on that note, though, um, I, where I was kind of going with that was, um, as an interviewer, and you've done you know so many at this point, is there one or a couple in specifically where you felt like there was kind of too much of a wall put up where the conversation really was kind of uncomfortable and you couldn't really get a rhythm going? Was there anybody that was that just made um, it a, a more of an unenjoyable experience? That's a really good question, and and honestly. Um, no, no one, no one really springs to mind. Um, it, it, to be honest, it, the, the interviews that stick in the mind are the ones that, that were, that I felt after it finished, I either did a little dance of celebration in, in, in my flat on my own, or I, or I hung up and went, Wow, I wasn't expecting that in the kind of sense that whoa, 
that was like fucking not what I was expecting. That was that, you know, went deep or went long or went to places that I hadn't imagined ever going. Um, and I mean, the only, <laughs> the only thing I can think of that springs to mind along those lines is an interview I didn't get. And I don't think I've ever told this story on the podcast before. I think I've always kept it for Patreon. Um, and my apologies if I have told it on the podcast, but I don't think I have. So I was put in contact through a, mu a mutual friend with Billy Sheehan, the legendary bass player. And um, I, I, so I sent Billy an email and I said, hey, uh, you know, you so-and-so give me your details fans come to the podcast and i got a reply uh yeah cool sounds great you know tell me where tell me when i was like wow this is gonna be easy so i messaged him back and i said um okay well what part of the states you in um yeah i need to know time zones um and what days work best for you and you know what's best is skype phone you know, because even even actually ways and formats of doing interviews have changed over the last 10 years. You know, with obviously we're doing this on Zoom. This didn't really exist when I started the podcast. So anyway, uh, I sent this email off the basic information that I always send off to people. And what came back was. Uh, nothing. So I sent uh, another email saying, um, hey, Billy, uh, are, you, are you still up for doing this podcast? And I got an email straight back going, yeah, cool, man. Yeah, definitely up for it. Yeah, cool. Just tell me where, tell me when. So I sent the same email back with the same basic information request and nothing. So then I sent another email saying, okay, this time, this day, I, I figured out where he lived, done the time zone, this time, this day, this format. How's that? No reply. And I was just like, oh, for fuck's sake. And I think genuinely there was a few more. Yeah, definitely. Tell me where, tell me when emails in there. So eventually, like, I just, right, do this, do this, this time. Right, okay, great. Sat down. Nothing. He never turned up. Not a sign of him. And then uh, the following day, I remember I was, I was, I was coming in um, into, my, into my front room. I just cooked a meal sat down i was just about to start eating and my phone on my skype started ringing on my phone and it just said billy sheehan and i just looked at it and i just went oh fuck off billy <laughs> i i just fuck off i'm i'm i've had enough i've had yeah. enough um and i think i did send him an email after that going hey you may be on something here just like you know just ringing up with you feel like it um so anyway yeah didn't happen didn't happen. Um, and and the other thing that I, I was thinking about when I when I was talking about this, um, I I emailed New Model Army and said, "Is there any chance that Justin Sullivan would be up for doing um, coming on my podcast?" I can't remember what I said, but you know, fellow Yorkshireman, etc. Uh, and also, uh, Acid Rain's former bass player Ian Gangwa, who passed away in these last ten years. Uh, in the last 10 years as well which is very very sad um there was there was a rumor that uh, that he'd auditioned as a bass player for new model army as well so um i sent an email off and an email came back um and that you know it's like you know would 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 there be a chance of getting 
Um, and I, and the reply I'll always remember. I got this reply from New Model Army, and I was like, ooh, opened it up. Possibly, dot, 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 dot. And I was like, that's Justin. That, that, yep, yeah, that's Justin. I've got the man himself. So I emailed back and I went, possibly sounds good. Could we possibly do it sometime? I don't know, possibly soon. And a couple of emails. And he rang me an hour early. And I was like, oh, Justin. He was like, yeah. I was like, oh, God, sorry. Um, yeah, sorry. You know, we'd, we'd agreed eight o'clock. And he was like, oh, did we? Oh, okay, yeah, sorry about that. Um, speak to you in an hour. And hung up. And I was I was about, I was going to say, like, <laughs> no problem. No problem. It's fucking Justin Sullivan from New Model Army ringing me up, you know? Mm. He's an hour early. Not a problem. But ever the professional, he rang back an hour later. And I was like, all right, cool. Hi, how are you? And, and it was, he, he seemed quite guarded. And it sticks in my mind because, like, more more guarded than than as is normal it's like we know it's an interview but it, i don't know it just seemed it, it, he he seemed mystified as to why i'd want to talk to him and i was mystified by why he wouldn't think i'd want to talk to him yeah <laughs> and i ended up having an absolute blast i mean I, I really really enjoyed doing that interview and there was also a landmark moment where sepultura came up in the conversation and i was and he was like i you know oh you know i lost touch with those guys i haven't spoken to him for years and i ended up being able to say i've got igor cavaliera's phone number do you want me to give it to you at the like you know when we finished doing this and he was like yeah great that'd be cool i was just like in my head at the time i was like this is insane this is absolutely insane you're reconnecting Igor Cavaliera with Justin Sullivan. This is mental. Yeah. Um, uh, so yeah, that was, that was, uh, you know, that was, um, it was, um, it was weird because, uh, you know, Justin is, it can be quite a, quite a, a cool cat and, um, uh, and quite standoffish, but he, but he, he seemed to, um, I don't want to say warm to me because that sounds naff, he he relaxed quite quickly and um and it and and it ended up being you know a favorite a landmark as was igor cavaliera um i remember coming up i remember we came up with the phrase because he's lived in the london so long we came up with the phrase he's he's a britzillion now he's not a brazilian <laughs> he's a britzillion yeah um so yeah it, it's that's i but i no i don't think i've any i, I don't think i've ever had anyone where i've got got off and gone fuck me that was hard work yeah well actually apart from david lefson yeah but i mean yeah i mean that's yeah you, you made a good point that he's he, he's probably been told by somebody else like hey here's what you're supposed to be doing um uh, yeah yeah he's just uh, just just media trained to death yeah yeah but so but that you know was mentioning sepultura is a good is a good segue too because the the, the other side of the coin is out of all of the shit you've done. I mean, you've done a lot of interviews. New mo new model army. I'll, I'll, you know, leading off on, onto that. Like, was what would you say? You can even narrow it down to a couple if there's not just one in particular. Um, are were the biggest gets not just as they're a, a, a well known name, but they're a fa a favorite of yours. 
Like who's been the big gets for you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, these are easy. The, okay. These are these are easy. Um, top of the tree, the man who's responsible for me being in music, never mind. I mean, and everything, everything comes from Marillion. Everything stems from Marillion and specifically Fish. Mm -hmm. um, because not only did I fall in love with the music and the voice, but I fell in love with the lyrics. And I, I you know, um, Matt Denny, another guy at um, All About the Rock, he got the Fish interview. And... Um, I, it was amazing. It's like, he's like, I've got him. I've got him. I'm like, oh man, this is amazing. This is amazing. He's playing his LinkedIn. Brilliant. Wow. Amazing. So I, I get to Islington Academy fairly early and um, I'm outside and I ring the contact number I've got. And he said, oh, right. He's not here. He's, he's back at the hotel. He's at the Islington Hilton. He's in the foyer. Um, uh, you, you know, you'll see him there. He's he's in the restaurant. I was like, all right, okay, okay, cool. I said, look, how um, how long have I um, you know, how long have I got? Is there a few of us? Um, and he was like, no, it's just you. At which point, I thought I might get fifteen or twenty minutes of his time. At mm -hmm. which point, I'm thinking, right, okay, well, that's 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 going to be like minimum half an hour, right? And um, and I was just like right okay here we go i think i rang matt as well i went to a restaurant and had something to eat and i rang matt and said it's just me oh my god thank you for this and i walked down and i walked into the foyer and there he was in a restaurant and i went over and said hi i'm howard i'm here to do the interview and he's like oh you know hello sit down i'm not gonna do the accent i can't <laughs> and um he sat me down um, and he said, I'm, I'm just going to have some soup. Do you want anything? Do you want to order anything? I was like, oh, no, I'm, I'm good, thanks. I'm I'm fine. He's like, oh, okay, cool, no problem. Um, and um, and his wife was there as well. Um, and he said, like, you know, fire away. So I just popped my phone down between the two of us. Um, and I just had an awesome chat for about an hour. And he said something which I had never realized. And the fact that it was him, he was the reason that I do any of this. And he said to me during the course of the interview, you see, the thing about me is I'm a writer who can sing. I'm not a singer who can write. And part of the interview was about um, the dread of losing your voice and the stress and the times it's happened to him. And like, you you have to pull gigs sometimes even after sound check. Mm. And, you know, he was coming towards the end of his career and just saying, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to miss that. And the fact that the band who was supporting him on that tour had had to go home three dates early because the singer has lost his voice. And he said, I was sat in the tour bus looking out and just looking at them stood on the pavement, waiting for their stuff to be packed up and go off. And, you know, he said, you know, my, my heart was bleeding for him. And, um, and he, and when he said that I'm a writer who can sing, 
I'm not a singer who can write. And I just went, wow, not only is it you're the reason that I'm doing this, but after all these years, you've just made sense of something that I think I knew, but I kind of didn't know. Mm-hmm. And that was that I yeah, I'm a writer who can sing. And I and I I have those um those stresses about my voice and you know and yeah it, it it was a real moment and then it continued and I hadn't planned any of this but I realised that where we were sat we were in Islington and there used to be an hour price records and my mate Will Smith the comedian the English Will Smith the comedian used to work there and he was a huge Marillion fan it was something we bonded over on the comedy circuit years ago. I even like met him down there and gave him a load of editions of the web, the early Marillion um, fan club magazine. Um, and and he was like, oh, you know, Will? I was like, yeah, yeah. And he's like, he's coming to the gig tomorrow night. I was like, oh, is he? I haven't seen him for years. And he goes, do you want to come? Do you want... And I, all of a sudden, Fish was just like, it, this was no longer an interview. This was excited man with the power to reunite two people who hadn't seen each other for about 10 years. Yeah. He's like, I know him really well. He came to my wedding. He's coming tomorrow night. Are, are, are you coming tomorrow night? I was like, well, I was going to come tonight, but I'm, yeah, I'm free to come tomorrow night. Yeah, come along. I'll put you on the guest list. And so he did. And we went a lot and I went along and I met Will and it was great. And we all went backstage afterwards and met up with Fish. And he was just stood there, like looking at us both like a proud father. Like I did that. <laughs> these two guys, these. And somebody was, somebody asked him, what's going, you know, what's the story here with me and Will? And he started to say, well, Howard was interviewing me yesterday and it came up during the course of the interview. And he just looks at me and he goes, you tell the story, Howard, you'll do a better job than me. And like, I just, at that point, I was just like the greatest onstage raconteur I've ever seen has just passed the ball to me. And if I don't smash this into the goal, <laughs> I'm I'm yeah. going to be disappointed in myself for the rest of my life. Um, because seeing Marillion live, again, not only was the was it the lyrics and it was the singing and everything else, but then I saw Marillion live, and I realised that between songs could be entertaining as well, because. Fish was just a great raconteur, loads of stories, and yeah, you know, just just a great guy reacting to just a natural frontman. But it just stuck in my mind that when you went to see them, between the songs was entertaining as well. And how cool is that? Instead mm-hmm. of people just sort of instead of just hearing the buzz of the audience and the band ignoring you and the singer introducing the song and then the next song comes on. Yeah. And um so for him to say that, it was just amazing. And then at the end of the night, at the end of the night, it was like, well, look, it's been great. It's lovely to meet you. Uh, you know, thanks for doing the interview yesterday and all the rest of it. And he gave me a hug. Now, Fish is a big man. You know, he's like six foot five, I think. And as he hugged me, I just like this. If two, if somebody had been like driving by, it would have just looked like a man just like you know, with a coat. And he was <laughs> like, you know, slightly plump. The yeah. slightly plump part was me. I just, just sort of disappeared into fishes he gave me a hug and just said and he just leant down and said in my ear it's lovely to meet you howard and i and, and as you can tell it, it stays with me to this very day yeah um it was just yeah it was awesome 
it's a really good example right there of um because you people always use that phrase separating the art from the artist or whatever but i always just think in so many cases the artist is just as important as the art and sometimes you want you want that so this this is i'm this is getting me to another question Kyle. oh well hang on hang on hang on because that's just fish okay that's yeah. just fish there's there's yeah. there's there's other landmarks as well oh so shit. The other, yeah well okay. the other land, the other landmark <laughs> the other landmark my friend, is suzanne vega oh shit okay yeah and 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 i'm interviewing suzanne and at the point where we've we've been knocking emails backwards and forwards she's guested on the album and 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 all sorts and for those of you who don't know, she guested on Acid Rain's comeback album. We do a cover version of her song "Blood Makes Noise," which she I, I sent to her. And one day, I got a message saying, "Wow, this is great! I absolutely love it." And I was like, "Oh my god!" So eventually, the end, the real end of all of that, was me interviewing her for the podcast. And I'm mm -hmm. sat where I'm sat now and chatting to Suzanne um, on Zoom. Um she's telling me what a great voice I have. And, uh, and I'm just sat there going, what? this is just fucking, this is insane. This is ridiculous. Mm -hmm. Like she's, this is, this is my angel. She's, this is fucking mental. And then on top of it, I say to her, Oh, I spoke to fish from Marillion recently. And he said he was a singer. He was a writer who could sing, not a singer who can write. And I kind of feel the same way. I'm interested to know, what you know what do you think you are she said oh i'm definitely a writer who can sing and do you want me to tell you about the time that me and fish got drunk together <laughs> and i was like oh <laughs> fucking hell my brain is about to explode mm -hmm. um so that was that was a like an, an insane moment um meeting uh meeting max for the first time and um and um, him knowing who Acid Rain were, and me showing him that I had an Acid Rain T-shirt, and he was like, "Yeah, yeah, you guys, yeah, man, yeah, yeah, I remember you." And uh, and at the end, at the end of the interview, again, he gave me a hug, and he just said, "It's good to meet you, brother." And I was just like, "Man, you know," he was yeah. just totally just like on the level, really, really cool. Um, and I mean, you know, that was a real moment. Um, mm -hmm. There's been, I mean, there's, and there's been loads of people on the way uh, in lockdown. I haven't spoken to him since, but I did a series of interviews with the one and only Jimmy DeGrasso, mm -hmm. the legend, the legendary metal drummer. Yeah. We just hit it off. I even, I even got him on movie bollocks and I, I, like we, about five minutes in, he was like, yeah, I don't really watch many movies. I was like, <laughs> hell, Jimmy, help me out here. <laughs> And then, and then about we've been talking for about forty-five minutes, and he just drops in that he's on, that he's in fucking Wayne's world, and I'm like, dude, come on, like this is ridiculous. So I, I, I haven't interviewed him since, but yeah, mm. in the middle of in the middle of lockdown, end up chatting to Jimmy, Jimmy DeGrasso, which was fucking amazing. Yeah, um, and um, I remember interviewing uh, Scott Ian and. Um, I was on the train to get home to interview him. And it was, it was like my train got delayed and then it didn't stop at the station where I live. 
and it got to interviewing Scott Ian time. So I basically had a mobile that at the time, unlike most mobiles, you could actually record the conversation on the phone. Mm -hmm. So I did. So um, I, the station after my house, I got off there. Not a station I ever get off at, because if I'm in that area, I'd like drive there. Um, so I just walked around. I just walked around the general, like outside, walking up the street. Um, I had to keep walking into into a into a supermarket, okay, a supermarket occasionally to get warm because it was February and I was fucking freezing. Yeah. And but so there I am, just wandering around, interviewing Scott Ian, hoping to God that this fucking phone call is recording. Mm -hmm. I wasn't hoping to God. I'm an atheist, but you know what I mean. So, um, and and just having the best chat with Scott Ian and I, and I knew the way in with Scott was to talk about his spoken word and mm -hmm. me being a stand up, and then slowly introducing, remember Moshkinstein acid rain. Yeah. That's me as well. Is it? Oh yeah, dude. Cause Scott had me, Maria Ferrero at Megaforce records. He had her send me a copy of the MOD album, MOD for USA before that record was even out. Mm -hmm. I had a fucking copy of it and it was sent to me with a note saying, Scott from Anthrax wanted me to send you this. Can you send us a copy of the Moshkinstein demo? Scott would really like a copy of that. So we go way, way, way back. Yeah. So yeah. then to be on the phone with him and, and, and doing all of that chat was just, that was, a, that was a moment that like, I'll, yeah, I'll remember forever. Yeah. But, um, and, and, Probably um, the interview that means the most to me and the one, you know, other than Fish and Suzanne Vega for completely different reasons. If anybody ever says to me, um, who, who, you know, what interview should I listen to? It will always be very early on, very early on in the history of the podcast. It's the... Um, it's the interview with Frankie from Channel Zero. Mm. Because that is an interview that you are never, ever going to hear repeated. And you're probably never going to hear an interview like that with anyone on any music podcast because of the absolutely bizarre history there is behind it, which is a friend of mine called Tony Hermans, Toons Hermans, who... I met when I played Ghent in Belgium with Acid Rain in 1988. And I saw him again in 1989. And in 1990, I received a letter from him that I opened and it said, hi, Howard, I hope you're well. If you're reading this, you are one of the few people I have sent a letter to. Unfortunately, I... I'm no longer alive. Oh, wow. You've, you've received this letter because I have killed myself. There is, and I remember the letter and, um, he, he basically said that was, there was no fun in his life anymore. Things he wanted to happen weren't happening. Things he didn't want to happen were happening. And he just didn't have the motivation or the capability to carry on living and a second letter arrived a couple of days later and it was a it was a, 
a, it was the program from his funeral. And in the letter, he said, because we, I think Channel Zero, at one of the gigs in 1988 when we played there, Channel Zero were the opening band, and then it was us, and then mm -hmm. Nuclear Assault. And in his last ever letter to me, he said, I hope you get to work with Channel Zero one day, because he sent me their demos as well, which were really cool. Mm -hmm. And he said, I hope you get to work with Channel, one zero, Channel Zero one day. Um, Frankie is a really cool guy. And when I saw Channel Zero were on, uh, were, were doing press for an album, I said to the PR, I'd love to interview Frankie from Channel Zero. And he was like, oh, great. Thanks, because nobody wants to interview him over it. And they're like fucking Metallica size in Belgium. They're absolutely massive. Put it this way, when we became friends on Facebook, I got messages from people who, have, who I, I have friends who are Belgian. And they mm -hmm. messaged me going, fuck me, you're friends with Frankie from Channel Zero. Um, so I got to do the interview and we had a bit of a chat. And then I explained to Tony Hermans. And he was like, no, I said, Toons Hermans. And he just went, you, you knew Toons? I was like, yeah. And Frankie was also received a similar letter to that, to the letter I received. And I said in my letter, Frankie, it says, I hope you and Frankie uh, do something. Uh, you know, I, you know, I hope you get to work with them again one day. Frankie's a really cool guy. And I was like, well, I guess this is it, mate. And it was, yeah, I'm, I'm getting emotional talking about it and thinking about it. I've never listened back to that episode. Um. And maybe I will, maybe I will now. Yeah. But, um, it's, it, it's, it's not, it's not an interview that, um, it's, it's not an interview. It's, it's two guys talking about somebody they never got to say goodbye to that, that they miss. And, um, there's not a great deal, um, of talk about music in there because yeah. once that comes out, we, um, we we both just kind of want to talk about him and 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 just about life in general and um it's it's a real um it was a, it was a real moment and um and the other time uh, another interview i did that finished and i felt exhausted was the first time that i um um i interviewed james murphy mm -hmm. i had absolutely no idea where that was going to go yeah. And and James talked all about the brain tumor that mm -hmm. pretty much ruined his family, ruined his career. Um, I mean, if you haven't listened to it, please do. I mean, the guy had was living like a drug addict, living out of boxes and had no friends, and everybody thought he was a drug addict, and all of it was an undiagnosed brain tumor. And um, it's a harrowing story. Yeah. And and it just it just came out of nowhere i didn't know any of that mm -hmm. and um it was pretty incredible it was it really was um and and they are they are moments that you know that i think will stay with me forever um yeah yeah so some 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 really some really special moments in there yeah yeah absolutely but but and it's 
talk, talking about a few of those, especially like Suzanne Vega and people like that, like it, it leads me because like some of my, 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 the things I always want to ask you, they, they now, they come from the aspect of I, when I started doing old head, I really wasn't intending to do interviews. Um, cause I didn't really think that I, I was like, who the fuck am I? Um, I don't think that I could bring anything new to the table that these people haven't been asked, you know, 500 times or whatever. But, um, but, but it was like seeing a lot of your, hearing a lot of your interviews and seeing other things that kind of made me go, well, maybe I'll just dip my toe into this and start doing it. And now I've done it. Uh, I don't know. I think I've done about 10 or so over the last year and a half or so. And I've gotten to interview people that are heroes of mine all the way to uh, people that I didn't even really know that well, but I was interested in their band and it's been very fascinating. But the thing that makes me feel like I don't think I could ever be a professional interviewer. um, And this is like directed towards you is that I find myself wanting them to like me, Mm. which is weird because like yeah. I, you know, but, but yeah. I think for me, it's different because sure, I, I've been a musician for, for my entire life, but for the most part, I've, I've, you know, been small potatoes. And so what I've been mostly is a fan of music. So I talk to these people and there's that part of me that goes, well, I want to give them a great interview because I want to be able to promote them because that's part of, of what we're doing here. But there's always that part in my brain where I'm just like, God damn it, I hope they like me and I hope we can be friends. Do you do you find yourself battling with that or do you think you have a good way of compartmentalizing things like that when you are a fan or you just legitimately like somebody? Um I, I, do you know what I have to do? I well because because I've been in the music business as long as I have because I'm an uh, as 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 Mina Caputo put it because that, that I, I I try and at the beginning of all my interviews, I want, I want them to know who's interviewing them. Oh, so yeah. so they've got a bit of a backstory on me. I know what it's like to just like have somebody just start interviewing you, and it's like oh, I wonder who this is, and wonder why I'm talking to him. Yeah. Um, yeah. But also, I want to get in there that singing a band, twenty years of stand up, bands back, and as as Mino as Mina Caputo put it when I finished saying it. Well, well, thank you for that, Howard. It's nice to know I'm talking to an artist, and uh, and I've got that advantage. I've got that advantage that um, straight away it becomes like a peer to peer interview. So, so that dynamic that you, that you inverted commas suffer from isn't there. It's it's like it's one to another, and it puts the interviewee at rest. They they go like right I yeah okay and often you you might hear in interviews you'll hear somebody go well you know what I mean you get it you've done it and that to them is like that's a pass that's like I don't have to fucking describe what it's like to be on tour to somebody yeah. because th- this guy knows so that so so it's a shortcut to getting to places that maybe other people don't get to yeah um uh, which is and so to be honest it's like. Yeah, so 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 that the dynamic isn't the same as yours. So it so it, it's not really relevant. What I want to do is get a good interview. That's it. 
Yeah. You know, you know, I, what I want is for them to walk away from it and go, I enjoyed that. That was cool. I want them to go. I, I'll, I'd talk to that guy again. Yeah. Because it's like everything I do, whether it's a stand up gig, whether it's a gig with Acid Rain, whether it's an interview, you're doing two interviews, you're doing two gigs, you're doing two shows, you're doing this one. And if this goes well, it means you get the next one. Mm. That's always the mindset. You never know who's out there. You never know who's watching. You never know who's listening. And um, so I just want to do, I mean, I, I, one that sticks in the mind, three that stick in the mind during lockdown was Derek Green, Jens Bogren, and Andreas Kisser or, talking to them all about Quadra. Mm -hmm. And of course, those interviews, I had them. And then I kind of went back to Andreas and went, look, I've like, I've done these three. It's all about Quadra. You're doing Sepul Quadra. Should we hook up and you and he was like, dude, great idea. Let me put you in touch with the the people who are doing the back end on that, which I did. And so, you know, during Sepul Quatra, there was three weeks where there was talking bollocks interviews dropping, which mm -hmm. was which was fucking great. That was a like absolute buzz for me. But yeah. I loved doing the I loved doing the the Andreas interview. And I and and like we we did the interview and some of my close friends have said to me, I don't want to, you know, I'm not blowing smoke up your ass, but that's a fucking great interview. Um, and, and Andreas, like at the end of the interview, I finished recording and Andreas went, that was really cool, man. I really enjoyed that. I really enjoyed doing that with you. Thank you. And I was like, Oh, okay. But I, I, I but again, I know what it's like. Yeah. To do an interview and come away from it going, that guy knows what he's talking about. That was cool. There were yeah. some cool questions in there. Or they didn't ask any questions. We just had a chat. It's like, I know how that feels to be on the end of it. Um, And uh, and with the recent announcements about, you know, Sepultura not being a thing anymore, it it it, it means even more. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, it, it's 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 cool and that and and like so that's why i want to get that in early to try and you know put them at, at ease i always it makes me cringe sometimes when i even when i'm doing it it makes me cringe because i feel like it sounds like i'm going me 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 yeah. and people have and people have people have, have you know come to this interview to hear about who i'm talking to not me but that's the reason I do it in case you've ever wondered people. And in case you ever think, Jesus, this guy can't get over himself. That's the reason it's there. That is yeah. genuinely the reason it's there. I mean, I, I, I've, it's, it's actually talking to you from that aspect where not just the interviewer, but you've been interviewed. Um, that actually makes me feel better about that because I've always felt that way. I've always felt that somebody needs to know, like if I'm a fan you know what? What was the era that you know that, that brought me in? Or if if I do, I am a songwriter. I am a musician. So yeah, I think that that's and and I always like you said feel weird. Like I don't want to make it all about me, but but it's worth putting it in there. Sure, because yeah. It's it, it, and and again, like I said, I, I 
if you're in a band, you do a shitload of interviews with people that you've got no fucking idea who they are, why you're talking to them, what they do, whether yeah. they like your band or not, whether it's for a podcast, website, whatever. You might you might get a bit of info, you might not. And so when people take the time to do it, it's cool. In fact, that's the start of the interview with one of my favorite interviews this year. Well, I go ahead and say it, probably my favorite interview this year, probably the longest interview I've done ever with Zoltan from ectomorph that's mm. that's coming down the pipe very soon people and um at right at the beginning i do all of that and he and he says oh thank you like great yeah like i know who i'm talking to now um so yeah i i, I think it's um it's it, it's a real it's a real thing and some and you know what interviewing people who i've always wanted to interview um and and anything like that when the interview finishes and we say oh great you know thanks a lot you know bye yeah right that it's then that i sit there and go i've just i've just sat on the phone with igor cavaliero for an hour yeah and that's when it kicks in but at no time in the interview i'm just in the moment it's you know, it's not Igor Cavaniera. It's this. It's it's a it's a drummer that you really like. Yeah, you know, but but and and you want to know more about, and that's it. Yeah, Be because yeah, it, you just can't stray from the path. It, uh, it you people could tell, um, and um and I, and I've just remembered. I've just remembered, um, some people that I do want to I, I do want to mention for specific reasons. Okay. Um, and that's David from soil work. Um, and also, um, Malcolm Dome. Uh, Malcolm was a regular guest on the podcast before he mm -hmm. died. Um, Dave from soil work. I only got to interview him once, but he left a real mark on me. Dr. Dave, we had a right laugh. Mm -hmm. Um, both are no longer with us. Um, and of course I'm blanking on the name and I was hope it was going to, I was hoping it was going to come because it, it feels like it's disrespectful. Um, but, um, Reed St. Mullen, corrosion oh, of conformity yeah. drummer, who yeah. was the only member of the band who was willing to take time out of his day to interview me. I'd been told to go down there and somebody would, would come and chat to me and Reed came down. And it was, and he was really cool. And all three have passed. Malcolm is, was, I was somebody I was very close to. If mm -hmm. I, if I emailed Malcolm and said, do you want to come on the podcast? He, I'd get a reply within five minutes going, great. When, yeah. where are we doing it? Um, in later years, we met at his private members club off, on Dean street. Um, this is the guy that, in, and also in in his last ever albums of the year list, um, I, actually I'm not sure it was, but his albums of the year list in 2019, number 19 of his top 20 was um, Acid Rain: The Age of Entitlement, which you old. know, uh, well, <laughs> you know, maybe you might have a point there. Um, but this is the guy that invented the term thrash metal. Mm -hmm. And we were the only thrash metal album in his top 20 that year. Yeah. 
And I'd like to think it was because it deserved it as opposed to he knew me. But do you know what? Whenever, uh, when I sat down and talked to him off mic, he said, by the way, what a great album. Really well done. You guys have never sounded better. In fact, you've never sounded that good, if I'm honest. And he was he was effusive with his praise, which meant the world to me. Mm. And um, and I was watching an, a, a documentary on ACDC back in black on Amazon last night. And who appears? But my good friend, Malcolm. Mm. And, um, and I miss him. I do miss him. Um, but yeah, there's there's three people I'll never interview again. Yeah. And um, it was just worth mentioning them all because they were all all great people. Absolutely. Well, that, well, I, I, I'll, I'll lead us out of here with, with, uh, with maybe. It's, I mean, we've touched, we've touched on, on, a, on a lot of important things, but maybe, maybe the future is the, is the way to wrap it up. Um, so it's like almost like a. This is a two-parter. And uh, one, I guess one you, you might have to think more about. I don't know. But so you've done tons of interviews. The easy question is what are the one or two like you would hope before you stopped doing this, you would get to talk to these people. And the second part of that question is you've been doing it for 10 years. Do you ever see yourself getting to a point where you've kind of done everything you've wanted to do? You've talked to everyone you wanted to talk to and maybe, you know, you know, you'll be, could you ever reach a point where you go, all right, I've talked to all the people I really want to talk to. I'm kind of done with this. Do you think that that, that could ever actually happen? Valid question. Valid mm -hmm. question. Um, one of the people that I would really love to interview, um, his people, uh, I, I, I emailed his people and his people emailed me back and said, he's not doing interviews right now, but hit us back late January, early February, and um, we'll we'll set something up. Um, that's through a connect of a connect. And so I'd, uh, I'm i very much looking forward to chatting to this guy. We don't get to, um, get to know who it is. <laughs> oh, no. Not before oh, it no. happens. <laughs> well, well, exactly, exactly. It's Chad you know, that's, Kroger that's a, from Nickelback. That, that's, yeah, yeah, that's a fool's errand. The minute, the minute you say shit like that, it never happens. The golden yeah. rule. You know, you never, you never, you never say it till it's already done. Um, no, okay, I, I hear but, that. But, um, so there's this dude. I'll tell you offline who it is. Okay. Um, do you know what? The, the one person that I would want to interview has got fucking nothing to do with music. Okay. And so I would never get them on my podcast, and they don't do interviews. And it will make no sense to you. You will not even know this name. Oh, okay. But anybody, right. but anybody listening who who understands UK football, oh, it would be Marcelo Bielsa, former Leeds United manager and utter fucking legend, fascinating, fascinating individual. And one of the reasons I'd love to interview him is he doesn't do interviews. Can you imagine how fucking difficult that would be? Yeah. <laughs> um. But um. But musically, um. I um. Funnily enough, I'd, I'd I'd love to interview Lars. Um, I, 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 Lars is a great interview, and we've mm -hmm. met before. And I know Lars is as engaged. It's like I know straight away 
that if I was doing an interview with Lars, straight away he'd be like, "Yep, yeah, acid rain." Oh know who yeah, you guys are. The dude, I know who you the, guys are. His... And we would have. We've got so many people in common. I would mm -hmm. drop names that he's known for fucking years. And and also I'd remind him of when I met him in Shades, when we met backstage in Donington. And and I know he would he he would wormhole. We would be we would not end up talking about stuff to do with Metallica. We'd yeah. probably just yeah. go off and talk about fucking metal from the 80s. Um, so I think I think Lars would be a fucking great interview. I'd love I'd love to get Lars on. That's um, that's actually my number one. If I if I ever get interview Lars, I'm I've done all the all the interviews I need to do. <laughs> so yeah. who knows? Maybe one day. And no, I don't see a day where this would ever stop because it has given me so much. And thanks mm -hmm. for leading on to that because this this is what the podcast has given me. Okay, other things I've already mentioned, which are amazing. Bobby Blitz, what a dude. Marcos Agueda from Dark a from Death Angel. I got to chat to him after all those years of not, and now we're buddies. We see each other whenever he's in the UK. It's great fun. Love him. Scott Holderby mm. from Mordred. Um, Corey Clark from uh, Warrior Soul, Warrior Soul. Interviewing, yeah. interviewing him whilst he was making cocktails. He was sober when the interview started. He was pissed out of his head by the time <laughs> it ended. It's utter chaos of an interview, but I fucking loved it. Tommy yeah. Victor of Prong, who I've interviewed... At either end of the 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 career of, of, of the length of time of talking bollocks, mm. uh, my old mate Sneepy getting him on and the crazy tales he tells me about behind the scenes that I can never put on the podcast. The guys in Billy Talent who are my friends who who all signed a birthday card for my mum who put my mum on the guest list who had my mum in their dressing room all chatting to her and made her feel like a million dollars. Zetro from Exodus catching up with him again. Um, not interviewing Billy Sheehan, getting, <laughs> get, get, getting Gene, right, getting Gene. Hey, hey, dude, hey, H, I'll come on your podcast. No problem. Got to do the voice. It's Gene fucking Hogland. Mm. Um, Michael Gilbert from uh, Flotsam and Jetsam, who um, who was watching a side stage when we supported them. And I grabbed him and threw him into the fucking crowd off the stage. <laughs> and as he always says, I fucked that kid up as well that I, that he, that I landed on. Um, Eric AK from Flotsam's One of the greatest voices in thrash metal I've always wanted to meet I didn't just get to meet him I got to fucking chat to him on the phone It was awesome uh, mm -hmm. No, I got to chat to him just leaning against a wall um, uh, Craig and Lum from uh, Heathen Who was just so much fun um, Justin Sullivan, who I mentioned earlier Harley Flanagan, absolute ledge Got to interview him for the, the Motorcast He agreed to come on Talking Bollocks He's an absolute fucking top man top dude craig lacero interviewed him early doors for uh, talking bollocks and interviewed him again recently and that was so cool with forbidden mm -hmm. coming back and i'm going to get to chat to him again um interviewing max and igor hit him and his son together that was fucking legendary and obviously mm -hmm. interviewing his brother igor as well um having dx ferris as a friend having the fucking legendary godless as a friend doing live Live bollocks with Godless. Going mm. on a fucking road trip to see the beyond with Godless. That was fucking amazing. Hooking up with Neil Cooper again. He used to be in the, the beyond and has been in therapy for years. Then finding out before the interview even starts that the bass player of therapy wants to know if it's okay if he can come and meet me because he's a huge Acid Rain fan. <laughs> Otep. What, how the hell do I, how the hell do me and Otep end up hitting it off like there's no tomorrow? 
Mm. I mean, like, you know, she's not doing any interviews with anybody when she comes to the UK, but she'll, but she'll sit down with me for an hour to have a chat. That's mm-hmm. insane. Doing yeah. a Slayer, doing a Slayer special with, uh, with all of those journalists. Um, and just, that was, that was insane. Um, Des Fafara, who was just a beautiful guy driving around in his car with his wife and his wife chipping into the interview as well. And she's no longer with us. And that makes me ex- incredibly sad. Mm-hmm. Um, that was really sad to hear about that. But on the upside of that, hey, everybody, Cancer Dan. I mean, Dan James had him on the podcast while he was recovering from cancer for the third time in his fucking late 20s. How unfair is that? Mm-hmm. Um, movie bollocks being a thing. Old bollocks being a thing. You and me yeah. being friends. Mm-hmm. Me and Paul Waller now doing podcasts together. We're genuinely fucking very good friends. That's so cool. Mark yeah. DeVito. I got to meet Mark. He's a friend. Miles Hackett. Not only did me and Miles, uh, uh, me and Miles mate, not only did he uh, mate, not only did, did we mate. No, we've never <laughs> mated, but he is, my, he is my mate, right? Let's get that fucking clear. He put, he put fucking... Planet of the Damned out as a, on vinyl when Acid Rain came back. He now works at BMG. We do an interview in the lockdown. Come up with the idea of the motorcast. Fuck me, I've been doing the motorcast for years. I've met some incredible people, including mm. Pascal Daviat, uh, Lemmy's um, bootmaker forever, and you know a, a, a proper friend, a real life friend, Dave Ingram from Benediction, um, Bill Steer. From Carcass and um, and Knox Colby, um, uh, who's, who's an absolute top dude. Kelly Schaefer from Atheist. Chris mm-hmm. Contos. How do I? And Chris and I, great friends. And you know, and I know we're friends. You know why? Because we sat down at Bloodstock and chatted for about an hour, and it had nothing to do with music. Mm-hmm. Um, Brian Slagle, what a legend! I've had to, inter- I got to interview him a few times as well. John Bush, I got to talk vocals with John Bush. He gave me some tips. How cool mm-hmm. is that? You know, I mean, all of this shit and everybody and everything I've forgotten. Um, that is just what like sprang to mind off the top of my head and isn't written down as note forms at all um uh, i'd love to get cory taylor on the podcast i think me and cory had hit off really well um i'd love to ask, ask him loads of questions nobody else has and have him not answer them but it i i think that would be cool yeah. um but all of the things that have happened all the people that i've met um the friends that i've gained from this podcast and and doing the mohead podcast the you know the, the motorcast which is you know, that is, if I wasn't doing Talking Bollocks, none of that would have happened. Mm-hmm. So it, it's been an incredible ride. So I just don't ever see a time where where I would where I would stop. Um, I, but, you know, I'm, I'm you know, eventually it will stop. It, sure. For the same reason, the same reason everything stops. Um, <laughs> yeah. But um, not by yeah, choice, though. Yeah, it's been it's been an incredible ride. Um, it really has, and I, you know, I would never have dreamt any of this would happen. But you know what? The biggest trip is out of all of this. There's a load of names I read out then, and some I didn't, who turned out were Acid Rain fans, and I had no fucking idea. I mean, I know I mentioned mm-hmm. that about you know, um, uh, therapy's bass player. Sorry, mate, I've blanked on your name, but. There are several people in several big bands that 
have like totally confessed to me that they were acid rain fans and i had no idea and luckily none of them told me at the beginning of an interview or anything like that some yeah. of them never told me at all i had to fucking find out from other people because they hadn't dared mention it i mean how weird is that mm -hmm. i'm like the most approachable guy ever you could and it's like you know i what do you think I've been doing? Like, I honestly, there's just been, it's been an absolute blast meeting some of my heroes. Um, all of them being cool. Um, and, um, and finding out that, that some of these people whose music I've loved for years and, and I've got on a pedestal and to find out that they've got me on a similar pedestal. That's, that's fucking mad. That is that is just as mad as Jack McMad with a degree in Mad from Mad University. It is just insane. So I'd be mad to stop doing this, wouldn't I? Absolutely. I know that is that's the bet, man. That was a that was way beyond the answer I was hoping to get for that last question. That was a great wrap up right there. Um, it pretty much was, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. That, and, and, and and honestly, like that, it's it's great to talk to you about this just because, like I said, like the path that I'm heading down with my stuff, it's a lot of like getting to know you and listening to your stuff and starting to feel more comfortable with like actually chatting with people. And, and whenever, you know, people say that to me, it's like, oh, it's like we were just having a conversation. And I in my head, I always go, well, that's kind of like H does. <laughs> I'm kind of just <laughs> kind of just ripping <laughs> off what he's doing. Oh, we're all sharing riffs. We're all, as Dime said, yeah. we're all we're all ripping each other's style off. Everybody, you know, the best basically the best interviews you'll listen to are the conversational style ones. Yeah, you I know? agree. I agree. You know, and and I I I like having no idea where it's going to go. Yeah, you know, because if I don't, they don't, and we're just gonna we're just gonna do some, you know, and um, yeah, it's just it's about having a good chat. That's it. Yeah. And you, and you know what? After all, after all this time, I think this is the first time that I've ever actually legitimately interviewed you. <laughs> you know? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It we, is, isn't it? Yeah. Because I think in in one of the old, early old bollocks, we talked about obnoxious, and I interviewed you a little bit about obnoxious. But this is this is this is it. So now I now I can add you to the list of people I've interviewed. So. Cool, man. Oh well, I, well, we've both got something out of this then, because uh, yeah. you know, I've, I've managed to I've managed to get away with um, with not having to do a shitload of editing and getting all the best bits of interviews. And it, I, to be honest, I thought about doing that, and it just did my head in when I started thinking about it. Um, yeah. And and I just I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. So this was I think this was a much better alternative. I, I'm I'm glad to have helped out. So um, cool. Thanks, yeah, man. How, how do we how do we don't want to do the outro here <laughs> the well the outro the outro is that's 10 years guys Here's to the next 10 thanks to everybody for listening over the years because as much as i've gone on about the interviewers and all the people i've met and the great experiences i've had if you people out there listening to this right now if it wasn't you guys listening i wouldn't get any interviews because they'd be like nah that guy's podcast shit nobody listens to it so Thanks for listening. Really do appreciate it. You're part of the team. Thank you very much.